0: Welcome to the Thurfield Chapel Sermon Podcast. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. Great to see you here. My name's Paul. I serve as part of the uh, leadership team here as pastor at Thurfield Chapel. It's a lovely sunny day, isn't it? It's nice to have some sun, some light coming through. Everyone's okay? Not too blinded? Phew. Shining off my head. Um... We are continuing our series in Luke. Uh, let me pray, uh, and then we're going to, to get in and look at what we've just been reading. Uh, Father, we thank you for the truth that we have just heard, uh, and we pray now as we spend some time thinking, reflecting, meditating on it more, that you would open our eyes Lord, more clearly that we may, we may see your glory uh, displayed in Christ. Amen. So, uh, we uh, had a letter recently telling us that an eye test is due shortly, so we need to get that booked to the opticians. Going to the opticians is a funny experience, isn't it? I'm not the only one who's made this observation. I know Michael McIntyre has. I don't think he's borrowed it from me. I've probably been influenced by him. But when you go to the opticians, uh, you're there, you're in the chair, the lights go down, that screen lights up, can you read the letters for me? Now, at that moment, it becomes a test, doesn't it? It's a test to pass. This isn't a means of receiving help. This becomes a test that we need to pass. Okay, it's called an eye test, but we tend to approach it like this is our GCSE exams that we're walking into. We need to pass this. We need to show that we have twenty-twenty vision. So you go through and you're reading like A, D, F, J, K. That's fine feeling quite good about yourself, move down a bit, M, Z, Q, D, S, keep going down. And then we get to these letters, and we're not entirely sure what it is. Could, could be an O, could be a D, could be a Q. And the, the internal debate that goes on like it's some sort of quiz show, I'm, I've got to lock in the correct answer. Now, it's probably not going to be a Q because a Q was on the line before, so don't think they'd repeat that. So this one, maybe this is, this is I'm, I'm going to lock in D, we're saying D. As they, like We're not going to win a prize. We're not going to get a GCSE certificate for being able to, to read these letters for, for good eyesight. The, the whole point that we're going is so that if we need help, we can receive that help, but very often we approach it like we're sitting some sort of exam in an exam hall. And we can take the same approach when it comes to, to coming to church, to gathering together, as the church. Uh, maybe you have had an experience. You've had many experiences where coming along to church was like walking into an exam hall. You felt that pressure to perform. I'm going to make sure that I say the right things. that I look the right way, that I, I fit in. And come along. And you may not appear to be an outcast, Because you seem to fit in. You seem to be saying the right things, but inside, no, you feel like an outcast. You're hiding. Hiding from everyone else. That fear of rejection and aloneness. And maybe you feel that this morning. And if that's the case, you're most welcome. You're welcome here. And there's good news. That's what we're looking at the good news, the gospel. The good news, as Luke records for us, is the good news about Jesus, how Jesus is good news. And we're continuing with this theme of welcoming the outcast, how Jesus welcomes the outcast. And last week, uh, we looked at Jesus's compassion and his compassion towards the outcast, this man who's covered with leprosy. And leprosy being this picture of death's contamination, completely covered with it, and he comes to Jesus, and Jesus reaches out to this man, and he heals him, and he orders him, don't tell anyone, go show yourself to the priest, offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded as your cleansing, as a testimony to them. Jesus is saying, go, go to the priest, offer these sacrifices, the sacrifices that are recorded in the book of Leviticus that we dipped into uh, last week. These sacrifices, that are commanded for your cleansing as this testimony. Now, these sacrifices are a bit like an LFT COVID test. See, an LFT, it, it can't cure you. It just makes that pronouncement that you no longer have COVID, if, of course, you get negative tests. But they don't have the power to affect any sort of cure. They can make a pronouncement, and it was the same with these sacrifices. So, these sacrifices were making this announcement that this man has been cleansed, that he's been cured. Jesus says, offer these sacrifices as this testimony to them, to the priests, to the people. This testimony that Jesus is able to restore, he is willing to restore the unrestorable. And this morning, as we come to this passage, we're kind of looking at a similar theme, but from a slightly different angle. And here now, Jesus is going to give this testimony. A testimony to not the priests, but to the Pharisees and to the people. That Jesus has authority to forgive sins. And so I have your, your Bibles open to Luke chapter 5. Uh, we're beginning at verse 17. One day, Jesus was teaching the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We sitting there. They come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. And so Jesus' fame has spread. Now, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, these were part of the religious leaders. Now they've come to see, see what's happening. and they've come from every village in Galilee, from Judea. they've even come from the city, the capital city of Jerusalem. And it's not just the religious leaders uh, who have gathered. There's a crowd there as we see in verse 19. So as these men come with their friend who's paralyzed, as they want to bring him before Jesus, there's no way that they can enter into the house because of this crowd. So they go up on the roof. Uh, And houses in the first century maybe looked something a little like this, uh, but they have flat roofs. And the way you got access to the roof was on the outside, either by means of steps or by a ladder. And so these men, they take their friend up onto the roof. And now whilst they're on the roof, they're able to to dig through, to to remove the, the tiles and the covering. And they break through. And there's this hole in the roof. And they lower this man down right in front of Jesus. As Jesus sees them, rather as he sees their faith. Interesting statement. He says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And at this moment, the religious leaders start to, to wonder and think these thoughts in their head like, what is Jesus on about? What does he mean by saying this man's sins are forgiven? He's paralyzed. Now, he. He needs his legs to be healed. He, he, why is he going on about forgiveness of sins? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, I want you to know. I want you to know that it's, it's not sickness, it's not suffering that's your biggest problem. Sin is your biggest problem. Oh, hang on, that's not what it says. But often that's how we hear it, isn't it? Sometimes that's how that is presented to us. As though the main point is that sin is our biggest problem. As though that's the main thing that Jesus wants to communicate here. The thing is, I think most of us already know that. That's the reason why we're here. And I think most people actually deep down... Know that too. Now, we may try to deny it. We may try to, to redefine it. We try to convince ourselves that actually sin isn't the big issue. Or at least it's not as big an issue as it is made out to be. Because the, the only alternative is... Well, it's utter despair if we embrace That reality. There's a a song I came across this week, I hadn't heard it before, it's a song called Dear Alcohol by the Canadian rap artist uh, Dax. Uh, And he writes, I got wasted because I didn't want to deal with myself tonight. My thoughts get drowned until I feel alright. So I I know who I am and I don't want to, to deal with it. Now it may not be that we drown, we drown our sorrows in alcohol, but we can distract ourselves in many other things. Busy ourselves with work, busy ourselves with entertainment, we busy ourselves with religious service. Because to embrace that truth. Now the fact that we've we've failed, we have failed, we all fall short, and there's nothing that we can do. To make up for it. No, we, we need distraction from that. And so either sin is is made to, to not be the big problem. Or at least it's minimized. It's not as big a problem as it's often made out to be. Because otherwise the result is just utter despair. Or is it? Jesus says to the crowd, I want you to know. He wants them to know something. He wants us to know something. What is it that Jesus wants us to know? Verse 24, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And the Son of Man being a phrase that Jesus often uses of himself. Jesus is saying, I want you to know that I have authority to forgive sins. Jesus is saying he has the authority to forgive sins. It's what he wants the religious leaders to know. It's what he wants the crowd there to know by extension. It's what he wants us to know. As evangelicals we're often trained that people need to know that they are sinners before they can appreciate forgiveness. Sometimes we need to know that there is forgiveness before we can even admit that we're sinners. And the main point of this passage is not to teach that we're all outcasts. As true as that is, now Romans 3.23. But what I just did then, that's not the main point of this passage. The main point of this passage is not to, to teach that we're all outcasts. The main point of this passage is to teach that the outcasts can be brought near, that they can be welcomed in. And so in our remaining time, we're going to take a, a deeper look uh, at this passage and we're going to see how in Christ, sins are sent away and how sinners are brought near. So is it, what is it then that, that really happens? So this paralyzed man is lowered through the roof, there in front of Jesus. And this question, what is Jesus going to do? We read verse twenty. Jesus saw their faith, and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And this isn't a throwaway statement. This isn't just a casual phrase that Jesus just says to people, that, that people would say is a, a form of greeting. Now, we know, and we're, we're familiar with some sort of casual cultural phrases, aren't we? The big one in our culture is, how are you? If you think about it, you're walking down the street and you see someone you know and you yell, how are you? And they say, fine, how are you? And you say, fine. No one stops. You just keep walking. You're meters apart. So it's not really a question of really how are you? What's going on in your life? It's just a polite address. So when someone says to you, how are you? We're not entirely sure whether they really mean it. Good way to throw someone is actually tell them how you really are. The British panic, this is not what we do here. But when you hear that phrase like, How are you? you're like, Well do those words really mean what what they say? Sometimes we have that same approach when it comes to Jesus' words of forgiveness here. Now we can hear forgiveness spoken about generally. But does Jesus mean what he says when he says, your sins are forgiven? Now, the Pharisees think that Jesus is just uttering these, these empty words. But these aren't empty words. These are words that come with authority, that, with, that come with power. And the religious people, they start to question in their mind Jesus' words. As we see verse 21, they begin thinking to themselves, who is this? Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And not only do they think Jesus' words are just empty. They think they're offensive, that they're blasphemous, that somehow Jesus is, is robbing God's glory. He's putting himself in a position that only God should be in. And what they don't know, what they fail to see, what many of them never come to see is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God incarnate, God as as one of us, fully God and fully man. But they think Jesus' words are empty. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, verse 22, asks them a question about empty words. Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up and walk. Because anyone can say your sins are forgiven. Just as anyone could say, no, I now pronounce you man and wife. That anyone can say that. Now whether those, those words have, have the effect it is all based on whether that person has the authority to make those declarations. The real question is, how do you know if that person has authority? Anyone can say it, But those words only come into effect. They only make a difference if that person has authority. How do you know the person has authority? That's the very thing that Jesus wants to make clear. You see that in verse 24. I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mats, and go home. Jesus is proving that he has the authority to utter those words. Like maybe in the case of saying, I now pronounce you man and wife, it's easy to say, but you only prove that your words have authority when you pass over that wedding certificate, something that can be checked, that can be verified. Now, Jesus is proving his authority to forgive sins as he heals this man, right? You can check, you can verify my power and authority is there before your eyes. These are not empty words. Friend, your sins are forgiven. And notice what Jesus says. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, friend, I've forgiven your friend's sins, but maybe we'll we'll need to come back to you. He doesn't say, friend, some of your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, friend, your sins will be forgiven. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then to demonstrate that he has the authority to make that declaration, he says to the man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus Jesus' teaching, the point that he wants us to see is that he has authority to forgive sins. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean for sins to be forgiven? Well, the term uh, forgiveness means to send away. And it's an image, it's a word that um, is used in the, the Greek Old Testament as well. That's used on something called the Day of Atonement. A number of things happen on the Day of Atonement. Uh, And one of those things that gives us this picture of what it is that God would do in Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, is on the Day of Atonement, this goat where the high priest, he, he puts his hand on the head of the goat, and he confesses over the goat the sins of the people. It's as though those sins are laid on that goat, and then that goat is sent off into the wilderness, sent far away from the people. And that is a picture of what happens to us in Christ, of what it means for sins to be forgiven, for sins to be sent away. Now, sometimes we can think of the forgiveness that Christ offers as just kind of pushing our sins to one side slightly, uh, as though that they're ready to make their claim on us at any moment. But the forgiveness that is offered to us in Christ, it isn't about pushing sin slightly to one side. This is about sins being taken away. Sins being removed. The sin is cast out, so that outcasts come in. This is about sins being sent away, and not sent away by a goat, but sent away by Christ himself, that he bore our sins in his body on the cross, and so that those sins are removed from us. Scripture tells us, as far as the east is from the west, that's the distance that we're talking about here. You try and figure out that distance mathematically, you'll be here for quite a long time. As far as the east is from the west, so when we come to Jesus for forgiveness, there is. Forgiveness. There's a removal of sins. There's forgiveness, full and free, because Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, to take away sins, and Jesus takes away sin, so that sinners might be brought near. Have a look at verse 27. We're we're going to look um, further, or rather, um, you and Ben is going to look further at Levi. Uh, and the feast that he holds a bit more next week. But I think it's good that we see here how this links in with what we've said before. So we intentionally had this overlap uh, in the passages uh, between this week and next week. We read verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. Jesus said to him, And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Notice how verse 27 begins. After this. After what? This is after Jesus has demonstrated his authority to forgive, his authority to remove, his authority to take away sins, to restore the outcast. Now, Levi is an outcast. He's a tax collector. He is not a popular man. Okay, tax people may not be the most popular today, even more so back then. Because to be a tax collector meant to be in league with the occupying, with the oppressive force of Rome. To be something of a traitor to your people. And tax collectors, and they're often financial cheats. They were religious compromisers. And so that's why the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they lump tax, to get, tax collectors together with a group of sinners. And if you just jump on ahead, you see their complaint that they bring to, to Jesus, well, through Jesus' disciples. Like, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? This is a group of outcasts. Levi is an outcast. And he's probably full aware, fully aware of that. He knows his position. He knows his sin. He knows his separation. But we've just read, Jesus has just demonstrated his authority to forgive. He wants the Pharisees to know, that the people to know, this testimony that he has authority to forgive sins. And it's after this, Jesus calls Levi. And Levi got up, left everything. And he follows Jesus. And sometimes what keeps us from from following Jesus, from continuing to follow Jesus, it isn't an ignorance of our sin. Might be. But sometimes what keeps us from following Jesus is not so much an ignorance of our sin, but an ignorance of the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And so in our shame, we hide. And we hide from one another, and we hide from God. And a few weeks back, I was sharing at the men's breakfast how when I was younger, I'd been ensnared by pornography and masturbation. And that is something that God has set me free from. But back then, in those moments, I wasn't ignorant of my sin. I wasn't ignorant of my enslavement. And what, I, and what I needed was a deeper knowledge, an understanding, a deeper experience, an experiential knowledge of the forgiveness and the freedom that is in Christ. And to know those times where I would pray for forgiveness and then still hide away. Now give it a few days until I'm in a better place. As though the stain of my sin, it needs to fade a little first. Now, maybe you know something of that experience. At this point in time, I, I, I can't pray. I can't, I can't read the Bible. I just, I don't feel clean enough. Can't gather with God's people. Not at, at this moment. You no, know, not after what I've said. Not after what I've done. And there may be some habitual sin that you're stuck in. It may just be, you just had an argument. And you seek forgiveness, but I need to stay away. I need to let that stain of sin just, just fade a little first. Then maybe you're watching online today because you don't feel that you can gather with us because of something that you said or something that you've done. Or maybe you are physically present. Physically present, but internally, feel distant, hiding away. You saw God's forgiveness, but you don't feel like you can run into his embrace. Not yet, anyway. There may be something that you're experiencing. I think we probably have all experienced it at some time, in some way. I know that I have. And what we need to know, what we need to see, what God wants us to see in this passage is Jesus' authority to forgive sin. And His power to bring the outcast in. When Jesus healed the man with leprosy, Now back in verse 13, we read, Jesus reached out his hand, he touched the man, I am willing, he said, be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. And in our passage today, Jesus speaks to the paralyzed man, he says, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, we're told, he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Immediately, this man was healed of his paralysis. Why is it then that we think it's any different when it comes to our sin? Why are there times where we live as though that stain of sin, it needs to fade a little first before we can get on with following Jesus? That we need to keep ourselves in this place of, of limbo ourselves in a place of sorrowful remorse. That we've sought the forgiveness that is in Christ, but we think, well, not yet. I, I, can't, I can't get back to following Jesus just yet. Or maybe we don't truly know that we haven't seen, that we haven't fully grasped what Jesus is teaching here. His authority to forgive sins. It's after Jesus demonstrates this authority after this when he calls Levi and he says to Levi, follow me. Levi leaves everything. And he gets up and he follows Jesus. He doesn't wait a few hours. He doesn't say to Jesus, we need to give it a few weeks. We need to let this stain of my sin just just fade away a bit. Because Jesus is the one who has authority to take our sins away. We don't need to wait for them to fade. We bring it to Christ and Christ takes it away. And I'm not seeking to downplay sin. Sin is serious. Sin separates us from God. God who is life. God who, who is goodness. It is a serious state if we're separated from God. So I'm not seeking to downplay the seriousness of sin. And yet often we, we downplay the power and the authority of of Christ to forgive us. To restore us. To take our sins away. Now that we may come. That we may come as we sang. Boldly to approach the throne. To run into his embrace. I think no, we need to stay in this waiting room first. And we never come. And we come to that throne of grace. Why do we come to the throne of grace? Well Hebrew tells us. We come to that throne of grace so that we may receive that help in that time of need. And in those times of need, we often shut ourselves off from the very thing that we need because we think, first, I've got to let this stain of sin fade away a bit. Christ has the authority to take sins away, and I don't know what it is that that you're facing this morning. I don't know what it is that you might be struggling with. But Jesus knows. And Jesus wants us to know that He has authority on earth to forgive sins. Let's seek Him now. Lord, as we, as we read this, as we think on it, sometimes it just seems too easy, sometimes too simple, you know, that we don't want to downplay the seriousness of sin, and yet so often we, we downplay the greatness of your grace. And Father, help us to see, see you truly for who you are. Lord, to to come before you confidently and boldly, Lord, immediately. Lord, now, not, not because we downplay the seriousness of sin, not because we say it's no big issue, but because we see the greatness of your grace to remove that sin from our lives. Lord, as far as the east is from the west, Lord, give us a deeper revelation Lord, that we would see it ourselves, that we would encourage one another uh, in this truth. So that we may may get on with following Christ. Wherever we've we've fallen off, wherever we've strayed, that we would seek that forgiveness. And immediately, get on with following Christ. Walking not in our own strength, uh, but in the strength that you give us in Christ, Lord, by your Spirit. Amen Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or would like prayer relating to anything you've just heard, then please do get in touch. We would love to hear from you. You can do so by emailing us using hello at Thurfieldchapel.org or fill in the contact form on our website or send us a message on social media. Thank you again and please do join us next week online or in Thurfield itself at one of our services or events. We would be delighted to welcome you. God bless.